0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Festival of Pentecost is the last of the big three festivals in the church year. Those are Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. Each marks an event in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus. The first commemorates his incarnation and birth among us. For how could we not celebrate the eternal Son of God taking on human flesh so that he might live a life of perfect obedience and give his life that we might be saved? The second deals with his glorious resurrection from the grave after he gave that same life for our sins that we might be forgiven. Finally, Pentecost is about how Jesus... Now ascended into heaven, and sitting at the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit upon his disciples, who numbered around 130 in all. Through the Holy Spirit's work in the church, the Lord Jesus continues to work in and through his church until he comes again in the body in power and glory on the last day. The name Pentecost comes from the Greek word for fifty— it is the Greek name of the Old Testament festival, Shavuot, which takes place 50 days after Passover. It was during this festival when the eleven, the mother of our Lord, and all the other believers were waiting together in Jerusalem for the promise of Jesus to be fulfilled, saying, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so they waited together in one place in one accord. They waited in prayer, asking that the Lord would fulfill his promise. And then on the day of Pentecost, it happened. There was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. This came to alert them of what was happening. The sound was not the Holy Spirit, but was a sign for them and to draw others to this place. Then another sign, something like divided tongues of flame settled on them so that they may know that the Holy Spirit was descending on them to fill them with the fire of God's love. As the Holy Spirit filled them, he caused them to speak in languages, in the languages of all those Jews who had come to live in Jerusalem from around the world. The disciples were speaking in Persian, Elamitic, Demotic, Latin, and many other languages that they did not know before, but were the native tongues of those Jews who were in the city from around the world. They had not learned these languages, but the Holy Spirit spoke through them that the crowd might hear in their own native tongues the wonderful works of God in Christ Jesus. And as this festival particularly focuses on on the Holy Spirit filling the disciples, it's appropriate that today we look at the works of the Holy Spirit this morning, as we consider how the Holy Spirit, who worked in the disciples, as well as those who heard St. Peter's preaching on that first Pentecost, also works in us. The first work of the Holy Spirit in an individual is the call. This is that special work of the Holy Spirit where through the word of God he makes known God's good and gracious will to save sinful mankind and holds before the sinner the benefits of Christ. As the word is preached, the Holy Spirit is working to call those who hear it into the kingdom of God. He is like the servant in the parable of the wedding feast. You know the one, the one that goes to the highways and the byways, sending the invitation to the feast and inviting all that he comes across. This call from the Holy Spirit is not only for some, but is for all people. For Jesus did not die for some, but he died for all. And so the call which makes known God's saving work and will is also for all people. In the call, the Holy Spirit, accompanying the word, tells sinners of the forgiveness which Christ has won for them and offers it. Following the call, the Holy Spirit's next work in the individual is regeneration. Ever since our first parents fell to the temptation of the devil in the Garden of Eden, mankind has been born in sin. While Adam and Eve in their pre state were righteous and had hearts fully inclined towards God and trusting in him for all things, seeking to follow him, after the fall, this is no longer the case. It is the opposite, as God himself testifies in Genesis, saying, the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. And so because of sin, natural mankind does not understand spiritual things. St. Paul tells us, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Yet Paul also says, God has revealed the things of God to us through his Spirit. And Jesus in our Gospel lesson today said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So there must be a change in us from the one state to the next, because natural man cannot receive the things of God because they're spiritual, he cannot believe in Jesus Christ and so receive the benefits of forgiveness, life, and salvation. So we must be regenerated, born again, changed from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. In regeneration, the Holy Spirit overcomes our resistance to the gospel our resistance to the work of God, so that we may believe and be justified and forgiven. This can only be achieved by God's own working. So the Holy Spirit works by means of the Word. In Jeremiah, the Lord God says of his Spirit-accompanied Word, Is not my word like a fire and like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces? Thus, the Holy Spirit, coming to us by means of the word, refines the hearts and breaks down the stubborn barriers to his operation. In infants and young children, this happens very quickly. They have not yet had the years of practice of resisting God and hardening their hearts. They are still sinful, of course, but their resistance is soon overcome by the work of the Holy Spirit, that he works in them through the means of the word and holy baptism. They are regenerated then according to the promise of God. In adults, it's a much more gradual process. The Holy Spirit works to break down all barriers, to overcome all obstacles of faith so that the sinner might be saved. Because of this, we can be discouraged when we have a loved one that does not believe. We share with them the reason for the hope within us. We share the gospel with them, and yet they do not believe. When this happens, it is not that God does not love them, nor is it because he does not want to work in them. No, the Holy Spirit is working through the word to overcome their resistance that they might believe. He first works to give them the knowledge of sin, of their sin and its wretchedness, and impress upon their hearts this fact, just like those that heard St. Peter's sermon at Pentecost were cut to the heart. Yet, because this is for their salvation, the Holy Spirit likewise presents, through the word, Jesus' remedy for sin, his vicarious life and death. All of this is happening gradually as we preach and teach and share the good news with those who do not believe. It does not happen at once. It is a change of the Holy Spirit's working in his will and his timing. But when the change happens, it happens at once. When he has overcome resistance, that one is regenerated and has saving faith, trust in Christ, and so receives the forgiveness of sins and is justified. In an instant, one goes from being spiritually dead to being made alive in Christ Jesus. So it is that the Holy Spirit is at work through the Word to bring faith and deliver to us the benefits which Christ won on the cross—forgiveness, life, and salvation. He works not just to tell us of these things, but to actually deliver them. And then, as soon as we're regenerated, as soon as we come to faith in Jesus and so are justified— that is declared righteous by God for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in us. Those whom he dwells in are said to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that just as the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, and those 3,000 who repented and came to faith in Christ that day and were baptized were likewise filled with the Spirit, so too are all who trust in Jesus for their salvation in life and death, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised this to his disciples before his death, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And St. Paul tells us this was not only for the apostles, but for all believers because Jesus died for all and takes away our sins so that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. So it is through faith in Christ that we also receive the Holy Spirit. And since the Holy Spirit dwells within us, so too does the Father and the Son. For the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are one God with one divine nature. This indwelling is a gracious work of God and is a comforting teaching of God to us in this way. This is called the mystical union, but it is that through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, the Holy Trinity makes his home within us, as Christ our Lord has said. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Thus, through the Holy Spirit's gracious indwelling and working in us, we become the temple of God. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Writes St. Paul, for you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This, brothers and sisters, he says of you. And as he dwells in us, we are sanctified, just as the temple was sanctified, that is, made holy by the Lord's dwelling within. This sanctification, which we may also call renovation, begins as soon as the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in us, For he has not come to us that we may continue in sin, but so that we may walk in the newness of life that comes to us because of Jesus' resurrection, because our sins have been forgiven. After all, we are now new creations, and so we ought to walk in ways pleasing to God, because he has saved us from our sins by his free grace and gift of salvation. He has regenerated us, he has given us new and better powers. While before we were slaves to sin, now we have been born again and set free from sin to live to God. In Romans 8, St. Paul writes, "...those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace." because the carnal mind is, en- is at enmity with God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. This does happen and will happen in all believers, for within us is the Holy Spirit, And while we can be certain that this work of God will be complete and perfect, it is not complete in an instant, nor even in this lifetime. Rather, it is a gradual change throughout our entire life of faith, so that as the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he sanctifies us, removes from us attachments to sin, and increases holiness within us. Day by day, he accomplishes this as we daily die to sin and rise to new life through repentance of our sins and faith in Jesus Christ, faith in him for the forgiveness of sins. For God desires that we put our sins away, that we put off the old sinful flesh and put on the new in Christ's likeness. As long as we remain in the body until Christ comes again and the dead are raised and those living are changed, our sinfulness continues to cling to us. It's a hateful thing to the believer, and we desire to follow the Lord in all things, yet we still struggle against that sinful flesh, against the sin which still remains within us. Yet through this, through this mortification of the flesh, the Holy Spirit works in us to sanctify us, to increase our holiness. And while we aren't perfect in this and can't be perfect in this life, we still strive towards it, as our Lord has told us, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Not because we think we can earn anything through that, nor because we think we can actually achieve that now, but we do that because we trust that Christ has perfectly fulfilled the law for us. And we rest in the knowledge that the Holy Spirit who dwells in us daily and richly forgives us our sins and the sins of all believers. Trusting in Christ alone for this, we strive to order our lives according to the will of God, taking captive every thought to Christ, seeking not our own earthly good, but our heavenly good, trusting that he has done everything for our salvation that he has freely granted this to us by his grace. We can then focus on serving our neighbor through acts of love, living peaceably with them, caring for their needs of the body, guarding their honor, and putting their own needs before ours. And as we have been forgiven graciously by God, so too we are moved by the Holy Spirit to forgive others freely. As we have the opportunity to share the reason for the hope within us, we lovingly share the same gospel by which the Holy Spirit works to call, gather, and sanctify the Church and invite them to the place to hear the Word of God through which the Holy Spirit has promised to work. May God, who has begun this good work in us, having called us, regenerated us, justified us, and dwells in us, and sanctifies us, bring it to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, through his mediation and merits. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.